Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video game industry. We talk about hardware, software, games, PC, consoles, mobile, even. My name is Patrick Beja, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Shadow of War, about the invasion of loot boxes that are destroying the Western world and gaming as we know it, um, stuff Oculus announced, Battle Chaser, Stardew Valley, SteamWorld Dig 2, a bunch of stuff, uh, and to do all of this, we have none other than the one, the only, Scott Johnson. Oh, hello. I've worked, I've, today has been a Patrick day for me in lots <laughs> Starting this morning at about nine o'clock, Patrick and I have been on and off with each other all day, and it's been quite the treat. It's like uh, I must be how um, I don't know. I feel like your wife a little bit. This is what it's like. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's the kind of thing that's enjoyable, you know, every once in a while, but you don't want to do it too often. And then yeah. you go with the wife comment, and then it would, you know, it doesn't work anymore. But yeah. uh, it certainly feels delightful for me. I'll say that. Mm. Yeah, well, I've enjoyed it as well, and I'm excited to talk about video games during what will probably be one of the hallmark months of video game releases uh, ever. It's a it's a big month. It's pretty impressive, and you have uh, amazing games on all fronts. Like you have great AAA games and amazing indie type games as well. I think uh, I, we we were re- recording the instance uh, only mere hours ago. And I mentioned my the thing I'm really trying to get to stick on this show, which is the Axiom 17. The oh. the fact that there are so many great games coming out, you really want to uh, you have to select stuff out that is awesome that you would be playing any other year. But nowadays, you just don't have time for them because you can't play every cool thing that's coming out. So some good games are being you know not played by people who love them. It's yeah, a great problem part. to have. It's always a problem. It's an embarrassment of riches. Last few years have been like this in general. And if you, you know, if you're somebody who also likes a lot of smaller experiences, uh, indie games, small games, then you're really screwed because there's so much of that out there. Like it's <laughs> just, if I went back to 1998 and just said to myself, "Hey, guess what? This is going to be like," I wouldn't have believed it. It's too. Yeah. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. We, I mean, we keep referencing that fact when we talk about these last two years, but it used to be that a few years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, when you know you were a game fan, there was one big game coming out every couple of months, maybe. And that's the game everyone would play, and you would yep. play it. Now, crazy. Yeah, um, it's it's an insanity time we live in, but I'm... I don't think I want it any other way. So this is not a complaint. Yeah, definitely not. And uh, even the Switch is doing really well. I mean, on, on its own uh, level with different types of games. And we're going to get to those uh, in, later in the show. But even the Switch is surprising me. Like, mm. it's everything. And I, I, I was going to go on a rant on, you know, Xbox and PlayStation 4. I think everyone can has stuff to be happy. Let's not get into that. I, I yeah, won't. You know, yeah, I, I completely agree. It would be easy to to discuss why. <laughs> <laughs> like what, a year ago, if you'd have told me that what we'd be doing with Nintendo right now would be, and that would also have been hard for me to believe. Like, yeah. Yeah, what a weird weird year it's been for games. And did you see? Maybe we can, I can mention this. Did you see the little leak from um, Edge uh, ranking Mario Odyssey? Oh, I did. They gave it a 10 out of 10, which they 10 out done. of 10. Yes. They've done very rarely. And the last time was Breath of the Wild, which exactly. never, I've seen. I've never seen a single argument that that game didn't deserve a 10 out of 10. So, uh, I mean, I already knew how hyped I am, but to hear the critical <sighs> leak is real exciting to me. I can't I'm wait. Still, I'm still not, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to believe it. It, so as not to be disappointed if it's not true, but like, let's say they're off and it's an eight or nine, let's say nine. I, I, I We'll talk about it. Like it's coming out in a couple of weeks. We'll have a lot of time to discuss that game and we certainly will. But if Nintendo manages to get a seminal Zelda and an incredible Mario, oof, that will be, I mean, they're going to manage to steal this year out of, All of the amazing other games that we'll see. We'll th uh, cross that bridge when we get there. Yep. For now, however, I really want to talk about Shadow of War. Yeah. <laughs> Were uh, you a fan of Shadow of Mordor? Yeah, I played the hell out of it um, twice. I had it on PlayStation 4, and uh, wasn't that a launch title? I think it may have been a I'm launch. I'm wondering if it wasn't on... Was it PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4? Maybe it was one of those... I don't uh, think it was three. Maybe I not. It, no, you're right. Four only. But anyway, the PC version came pretty quickly on the heels of that. And I ended up getting that a little later because I got a discount on it. But I played through it again. Um, oh, it is available on PS3. PS3. Oh, maybe it was, really? it was released at the same time, though. Oh, okay. All right. It was definitely one of those crossover titles like mm. Black Flag and a few others like that. But that game was awesome. I loved it. Um, I was so worried about it. I thought... You know, this is a kind of a tie-in movie to the movie because Gollum's in it the way he is in the movie. And I just thought, oh, I don't know, it's going to be weird. Usually not kind of very hit and miss with these these Lord of the Rings adaptations. And that game ended up being probably my game of the year that year. I'm trying to think if mm. anything else in 2014 beat it. And I don't think it did. I think it was uh, for me. Yeah, it was really good. So I've had pretty high anticipation for the sequel. Um, I don't have it yet. I think I'm going to grab the PC version this weekend. Seven had time again. This whole <laughs> so many games Axiom 17, just just say it. It, it will yeah, stick Axiom one day. 17. It really is. I mean, <laughs> think about the the three massive open world games we're about to get. We have this, 
Assassin's Creed Origins, which is, I am very excited about because mm. the setting and the place and all of that is so right up my alley. I love it. And Mario Odyssey is a huge endeavor. Like, I don't know what they think we're going to do. I can only do <laughs> one of these at a time. It's going to be insane. So, yeah, I do want it, though. And they're kind of first out of the gate for this month. And I'm very excited about it. So, yeah, I'll be picking it up. I'm very curious what you think because you've had some actual playtime with it. Yeah. And uh, so, first of all, let me say, as I always say, this is not a review show. I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a, like, I, it's not my job. So, this is impressions from a, a gamer that is a lifelong gamer, but still impressions. I'm saying this specifically. I always say it, but maybe a little bit more because of a comment we're going to discuss towards the end of the show. You'll understand at that point. Um, but... If you want to know exactly how I feel about this game, I love talking to you, Scott. Mm. If I'm being honest, I would rather be playing that game than talking <laughs> to you. That's how I feel about it. And doing this show, like, I, I, I have to say, it is far from a perfect game. Just like Shadow of Mordor, there are many valid criticisms to be leveled uh, about that game. And they're still very much valid and some others uh, in the sequel. But it's right up my alley. You know, it is exactly what I want. It's exactly what I love. I love the setting. I love the gameplay, the basically Batman uh, Arkham s combat system. I It's my favorite combat system there is. Um, it's the, the setting I really like it, even though it's not, you know, it doesn't follow the canon of the books, whatever. I can divorce myself from that pretty easily. Um, the nemesis system is amazing. So let's just get into it real quick. What kind of game is it? So WB Warner Brothers Games does basically three games, um, three main games. They have Arkham, the Batman games, in which I include uh, this Shadow of War and oh, Shadow of Mordor and um, uh, Mad Max, which was basically another Arkham game. Um, they have the fighting games, so Mortal Kombat and um, uh, Injustice, the DC thing, and they have the Lego games. So mm -hmm. this is a Batman game. Sure, it's not Batman, but it's essentially a giant open-world uh, game with the Arkham combat system where you press a button and it connects one strike with one enemy it's not big sweeping hits that will you know hit whatever enemy is in front of your blade the moment it swings it's like one strike on one enemy and then you can parry and it becomes this kind of weird rhythm type thing which is the essential part of what you're going to be doing during the your playing time with that game and it's just for me it works really well i adore that system it just it feels visceral when you get those special moves that make that get you like to decapitate an, an enemy super violently it it speaks to me on some unspeak you know uh, uh some unspeakable level <laughs> um it's just that part i really love um yeah. the nemesis system is the one which we've been talking about since the first game came out, where the structure of the army you're fighting 
is uh, dynamically changing and you can affect it and decide who you're going to attack in the hierarchy of that structure and you're going to make it easier for yourself if you, one, uh, find out the weaknesses of some of those high-ranking officers in the orc army and two, eliminate their support in that structure. So there is this weird dynamic thing where enemies that kill you there's a whole story why you don't die but enemies that kill you get promoted sometimes a random um orc just happens to be the one that strikes you to death and then they get like this fun animation where it it talks some smack uh with you and gets promoted and becomes a captain and uh so all of that is still there um and on top of that you can also create your own army now this comes back to the impressions part. I'm still early in the game. I've uh, played maybe 10 hours or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just now starting to build my army. So far, it's been very reminiscent of the first one with little added uh, bits and pieces here and there that feel really good, in my opinion. Uh, But I've been spending a lot of time just enjoying that open world and doing everything in the first zone. Um, Mm -hmm. And it feels just absolutely like the first one did, which I think could be considered... A drawback or criticism uh, but to me I love the first one so much it, I, I think it's exactly what I wanted uh, you know three four three years later another set of missions to do in that world mm. the story itself is not amazing some people get hang, hung up on the fact that she is you know a woman in that game she loved the big spider uh, yeah. evil spider thing that's ancient and all of that. Doesn't, doesn't she shapeshift from spider form to lady form and back or whatever? Not like in the book, no. In the book, she's not very uh, present and she's really just a spider. And I understand, you know, they wanted something iconic from the book that hadn't really been touched by the movie and so they got Shelob and they were like, I, I think people saying, well, it's okay to have Shelob but she shouldn't be a, a, a woman. It's like, yeah, but then you'd be spending a good part of the game talking to a weird spider-looking thing, and it would, you know, it would look strange. <laughs> I think. Yeah, um, it's so a weird I, liberty, but I understand it. Yeah, sure, I think I understand it. The shoehorning uh, some other characters in. There are a couple I think could have been avoided, but it's kind of like whatever. I understand this is a game, and it does game stuff, and I'm fine with it. Um, so I'm now at the stage where I'm building my own army to counter the other, you know, the, the army that is invading our land. And there's this weird dynamic between the two heroes who are one, the, the specter um, of the maker of the rings in the Lord of the Ring. Uh, it, he's a specter and he inhabits your body and prevents you from dying. So you're this... Um, uh, this this Gondorian uh, Strider, basically, <laughs> um, and you have this these two characters that interact and that have a weird dynamic, and they have kind of similar goals, but not exactly. It's I I like that that uh, setting, and uh, and the game itself just the story is okay, not more Whoa. than okay. You hear that? Is that me? I think it's you. Yes. Oh, video audio, audio played or auto played. Sorry. That's good. <laughs> um, Go ahead. <laughs> right. And so it, it, I'm 10 hours in and it's given me already kind of, you know, everything I was hoping for, for that game. 
And it's showing me all of the additional systems that you they they layered on top of it. Like you have um, loot that you didn't have before, and each piece of loot it's simple enough. The interface isn't great, but the systems are simple enough that they're not uh, you know crushing you. But at the same time, they offer other types of possibilities. You have loot that have special properties, different uh, rarities. And some of them have uh, challenges that if you complete, you improve their, uh, you know, you add additional uh, capabilities to these items. You have gems that you can improve and that add other things to your uh, loot as well. Um, you have all of these nemesis system improvements where you can, um, you know, you have uh the regular bad uh, evil orcs and then you have the so you have the captains the another rank and then the overlords on a fortress and i haven't done that siege thing yet where you have to actually um work your way through the high-ranking officers of that army that local army in order to make the siege succeed and all of these systems are pretty well introduced basically the first act is the previous game and they layer stuff on on top of that for the whole uh you know as things move forward um it's just it's just an awesome game i really love it it's like for me it's a contender for game of the year as well and i understand you know it's not everyone's cup of tea no game is everyone's cup of tea uh but if you're into those games man it's exactly what i was hoping for maybe not a huge amount of uh, innovations and improvements uh well improvements yes but there's nothing that sets it entirely apart at this stage from the first one it's more of the same which i'm very happy with but i can see how some people might not be um but yeah so i i'm just loving shadow of war thinking about it all the time and can't wait to play more yeah, I, I, everything you're talking about sounds good to me. I love that everything about the first game. I worry a little when I saw a lot of the lead up video and some of the preview stuff for this game. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about this will now translate to how good your army's going to be in the end. I kind of like the more down on the dirt personal sort of I'm jacking up this hierarchy of leadership in the orc armies and, and the nemesis system, the way it worked felt personally tied to me, but now I'm going to, uh, you know what? I would, what I didn't want is them to somehow figure out a way to jam uh, cl- a clash of clans into this thing. And, it, um, and, and can you tell me if that's true? Is, does does it have an element to it either now or later in the game where it's going to be? Well, sure hope I can defend off these guys. Like I don't want to. I don't want that. You don't want a tower defense type of uh, game. Not necessarily. Yeah, no. I don't love that. So I'm I'm not at this point in the in the game yet. Again, I'm fairly. Well, fairly early on, um, but it doesn't. It feels like every part of the game is uh, is you going down on the ground and doing those things. It's not all of a sudden you turn into a siege engine. Although there are some parts where you you know you're riding a giant uh, monster and it feels like you're in a quote unquote vehicle and it. It's a different type of gameplay, but you had that in the previous one as well, and it's um, few and far between. And everything you're doing is still you going in to recruit that enemy and placing your pawn to for them to become, um, you know, part of that other army that you want to uh, take over. But then you go in and you 
lead the siege yourself. And when I say lead, you're on the ground and fighting um, grunts and captains yourself. So that's the way it feels to me uh, for now, at least. So I wouldn't be too afraid of what you're being afraid of coming to pass. Yeah, I, I, it's, it should be fine. I just always worry when games get a little yeah. ambitious about the whole army army thing. And if the game isn't explicitly a big RTS or a big, you know, where the focus is that, then I get nervous that they're adding on layers I'm not going to care so much about. Because what I really liked about the last game and most open world games like this, my favorite Assassin's Creed games, those sorts of things, is the focus on character and my own dude and his abilities and i'm not so much into like macro management Oof, they have like i mean if that's what you like there is a lot of it in in the game again there is going to be some level of macro management i suspect towards the end but it always feel uh anchored in your character and there's some you know like your abilities you can modify them a little bit with tiny modifiers that make them more powerful like i would say it doesn't feel like they have lost sight of what their game is. If anything, they've doubled down of what made that game great. And if you enjoyed the Nemesis system as well, I think you're going to enjoy the non-moment-to-moment combat portions of this game uh, as well. So, okay, now that being said, and I know we're going to talk about this later, so you don't have to do yeah. it now, but that whole loot box controversy, that seems to be a big sticker in a lot of people's panties on this thing. Yes, and having heard about it, I was very worried going in. Uh, again, I'm only one act in to the game, and apparently that kind of uh, starts playing a part in the last part of the game, like the after, maybe the last act, and even more so after you've quote-unquote finished the game to get the secret bonus ending. There's like a big online-type campaign. Not online, but it has online interactions. Um, so far, no problem at all. Like, none. But I'm still early in, in the game. For those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, this is an issue with this game and to a bigger extent with some other games that have been coming out this uh, season, this this year, it's the loot box craze, and ev- it seems almost every ed- uh, developer or publisher has decided one of the ways to increase revenue is to include loot boxes that are more or less integrated into the way the game is played and provide some sort of um, gameplay-related benefit, and mm-hmm. that is a problem. Now, a lot of people have been complaining about it in Shadow of War. Again, I can't talk to this specifically towards the end of the game. Um, I can only say that in the beginning, it's completely unnecessary. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll have to wait and see how it goes towards the end. But there's Star Wars Battlefront, which has uh, some loot boxes. So in in Shadow of War, it gives you um, some loot, some followers, stuff like that, that you can get by playing the game, but it becomes a a really big grind getting them just playing the game. And that's the the worry there. Um, In Star Wars, it's also some uh, weapons and abilities, I believe, that have different qualities and so again you could get them playing the game but if you pay for the loot boxes you're probably going to be getting them much faster and since there's a lot of multiplayer um, aspect to it it's it gives you a real advantage Uh, for star wars keep in mind they've said you are not going to be 
we're not going to have paid DLC. So the entire player base is going to evolve at the same time. You're not going to split it with DLC. Well, that's how they're, they're going to pay for that. Um, Forza 7 also has loot boxes where it's a little weird because they are now selling loot boxes that include uh, elements that were available in the previous game that would modify a race. And depending on the modifier you had, for example, uh, you know, it's raining or it's at night or it's whatever, some of those types of modifications for the races, it would give you more from that race, more rewards or, you know, from that race. So now they're in loot boxes that you can get in game within game currency, but you can also buy, and they're apparently kind of stingy with the, um, uh, in-game version of it and they're also consumable so you can actually you will consume those modifiers and if you want to do it you know on another race or do it again you're going to need another one um same issue has been uh decried in um destiny 2 i have to say in the case of destiny 2 it is not a factor at all like at all i i don't have a problem with it at all because it's entirely stuff that you can get in the game like 95 percent uh as i've said i get why some people are bothered by it but in the case of uh, destiny 2 i don't think it's outrage it's outrage worthy so that's the setting for this what do you think of this controversy um I don't know, man. The problem with it is, is the worse, the the more companies experiment with what, what the limit will bear, like what you're seeing with people that were, that were gameplay is actually affected when they start dabbling in that. That's when you start going, Oh, you already paid enough 50, you know, $59 for this game. And now there's this weird ramp up thing and the pay to win deal is just so, you know, icky that the worry I have is it starts to reflect poorly on the rest of the industry. Like I really like Blizzard's approach for both Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm with loot boxes because, um, you know, I don't, it's cosmetics. It's not something that's going to change the way I play with the exception of, you know, the XP boost or something like that. But well, I feel heroes, like it, you can get heroes in those loot boxes, but I mean, it's different because it's a free to play game. So, right. It's a free to play game to begin with. But, like in Overwatch's case, that's a, you know, $40 game, $49 game. And then they also encourage you to do this if you want to, you know, speed up the chances of getting these things. But they're all cosmetic. And I don't know of anyone complaining other than the normal complaining of, ah, too many duplicates or, you know, it has its own little subset of, of complainers, uh, even if you're okay with the system. But when they start putting in, stuff that you that you are that you're supposed to either earn in the game or pay for then it just starts to ruin it it just ruins the game it makes you go Ugh. i mean what's the point of this progression then just sell us the stuff or just give us the progression don't do both like you start to get frustrated and the worry i would have is the more this happens and the more they push those boundaries the more the the legitimate models that do take into account both the intelligence and the and the experience of the player are going to be less likely to even introduce those things. So I think there's room for this. It's just don't go so far. Don't take it so so far down that road and make it so weird so that you know nobody can do this in a much more fair-minded way. Hmm. And I, that's my worry. So I don't know if this game is that, if it's overblown, uh, if the, some of these other games we've talked about are equally overblown or whatever, but if it was all cosmetics, nobody would blink an eye. Who cares at that point? I agree. I think you've framed it pretty well. Um, I think there are two 
cases. Either the game is free to play and then whatever, go nuts. You know, the game is free. You you are going to have to pay for stuff somehow. So I think it's fair game if the game is free to play. So that's a different conversation. And of course, we all, you know, not all, but I think we'd rather have a game that's free to play where the purchasable stuff is only cosmetic but that's really a tall order. I think it's fair to have a free-to-play game where you have to pay for stuff that, you know, improves gameplay or that changes gameplay in a way um, in that case. In the case of a game you have to pay for, then you have to tread lightly. Um, cosmetics, I think, is okay. Most people have accepted it by now. Um if you DLC, remember DLC used to be a little bit controversial, and I think where we we landed on DLC content was if you're cutting the game short to include DLC, then I'm unhappy. If the not even cutting the game short, but like not providing a satisfactory experience for the money I paid you for the full game, and you put some of that into the DLC that I have to pay extra for then I'm unhappy. And there has been some of that maybe in the beginning. Now we sort of settled down and settled on a, on a place where I think most people would agree that the games you pay full uh, a price for, even if they have DLC, uh, are full-featured. And then if you want more, you can get it by paying for some DLC. And if you don't want more, then you're happy with what you got. So mm-hmm. that's the good formula. And there's no no like strict rule for what works and what doesn't. I think the the pushback on DLC has helped developers understand what was appropriate and what wasn't. Now we have this new method of microtransactions essentially where I think the issue is the same. If you <coughs> oops, sorry. If you want to include uh stuff that affects gameplay that isn't just cosmetic, then you'd better do it carefully and make sure that it's an acceptable and not icky way of doing it. Because if we're being honest, as you said, even if you're being fair, it Mm. does feel like you're always wondering, wait, am I getting the, are they tuning that thing just a, a little bit too on the stingy side so that people are tempted to go pay for some loot boxes or is it just the the difficulty that is supposed to be a little bit difficult enough to be motivating and rewarding and if there's some loot boxes that could help you then you're always going to be wondering about it so it feels icky no matter what um so it's a where i land on this is that if you can play the game in a rewarding way without having access to the loot boxes I'm kind of okay with it. Like, for example, so far, Act 1 and 2, Shadow of War, it's okay. Maybe it becomes less okay in the later acts. I don't know if it, if that's the case, and I will be unhappy about it. But on the principle of it, I think if it's designed like this and loot boxes are essentially unnecessary, you might think, well, it's dumb, and I would never pay for them. I never paid for a uh, Overwatch loot box ever um, mm-hmm. because I play enough. But if someone, you know, doesn't have time, they have four kids, a full-time job, and they did pay 60 bucks for the game and they're like, well, F it. I just want to do things faster. I'm going to drop another 30 bucks on loot boxes and that's going to make me happy. 
If they can do that and it helps the developer, fine. As long as the quote unquote normal player experience is not impacted. And that's a decision or an appreciation that people have to make game by game. It's not like, oh, loot box, it's crap. It's mm-hmm. loot box, how does it affect the gameplay? But at the same time, I'm usually, I would say, saying, whoa, be careful, don't be too judgmental and, you know, toxic internet behavior. Uh, you know, don't don't pile on the developer and the evil corporate man too much because they have reasons too. In this case, I would say, I'm all for the backlash because it checks that practice. And just like it did with DLC when that became common, here we need to have a little bit of a pushback so that they don't push it too far and they know that there are some things that are unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I don't know how it's going to suss out or whatever. We're a long way from, remember the Oblivion horse armor days? Uh, That was like a very early example of this, the online all the time days of Diablo 2 and 2012, Diablo 3 and 2012. Like this is a new phase. We're in a new phase of what what is the future digital game world look like and what of this new model and, you know, why is it different than DLC? And DLC was kind of controversial when it first happened. And, you know, this feels like just one more of those steps, but it feels like a louder, more ugly, more spotlighted one, given the fact that it's affecting so many games across genres. This isn't just a problem with RPGs or a problem with, you know, any specific genre, it's been applied to everything. It, it's and, been a weird confluence of events like this to these last two months. So many high profile games have had the exact same system of loot boxes. It's like concentrated issues of DLC in two months. So it's, it's flaring up a little bit more than it would have. But I, I, you're OK with DLC today, right? Oh, yeah, no, I think DLC is great. In fact, I was fine with it then even, but I remember there was a bit of a backlash. People were like, wait, put in the game in the first place. There was the controversy of a lot of EA games where the content was already on the disc and then they didn't disclose that and, and all you were doing is unlocking stuff you already owned. Um, then, it, then it starts to get re- weird and nebulous and you have all kinds of weird arguments about what is yours and what isn't. If it's already on the disc, then why are they just artificially mm. gating it? Like there's... There's, Thanks there's, to the internet, they don't have to do that anymore so much. No, so. no. <laughs> but it's but it's this interesting philosophical question of what's yours, what did you pay for, whose is it now? Especially now, where we're you know we're basically renting everything if we're getting it digitally, we're not really buying it. I mean, we are, but we're not. You know, it's like a, it's a yeah, whole that's new, a whole difference. Yeah, yeah. But it's fun to it's fun to think about, but also slightly frightening. Like Steam could shut down tomorrow, and I'm 800 games out the door, <laughs> or some number like that. Yeah, I think um, ultimately we're in this uh, adaptation phase where I think loot boxes are going to be here for a long time. I I don't think they're entirely going to go away, just like DLC, but we need to make sure it's, you know, it works in the proper way. And Mm -hmm. you, if you see a game that is not satisfactory so in general you know don't buy the game before it's launched, before you've read reviews, that's what we always say. And if you think it's not worth it and the the thing is being described as pushing those loot boxes too much, don't buy it. Let the developer know. And, you know, that's going to self-correct, I think. Hopefully, ultimately, it will work out in a way that is acceptable to everyone. I think it's just a, a weird flare-up that is 
happening now because of all of those things happening at the same time. Yeah, um, there's a there's a confluence happening right now that is hard to avoid. Yeah. But I I I think my hope is that, that eventually we get to a place where we're just it's just not a problem anymore or we've come to a conclusion or you know it's, it's hard to sometimes decide is this bad corporate behavior or is this just reactionary gamers because reactionary gamers are definitely a thing and sometimes stuff happens it's just like oh my gosh what are we freaking out about now online all the time diablo who cares now that turned out to be nothing like <laughs> well it not- was five years ago and it was yeah but, yeah, but that's my point is they we can't seem to see the future as the gamers themselves. And this is where things were headed, whether, you know, Blizzard didn't force it forward. It just was part of it. And and that's across other games as well. But now if you find out your games like that, you don't even think about it. Yeah, you just, I would say loot boxes because of what you described, the icky feeling that have they tuned the difficulty differently because of those loot boxes um, and I think this is something they're going to have to get in front of in the future and make sure that people understand it. Because you can, thanks to the rarely justified but still sometimes justified player outrage, it, it can create a bad buzz for your game. So I think people are going to be careful about this in the future. And hopefully they make sure that things are balanced. And that's what we can hope for, I think. I, I'm not too worried if I, if we're being honest. But I think it's good we're having this discussion, this conversation as an industry. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're going to be talking about some of those smaller games that you mentioned. Uh, but very quickly, a, a quick detour by Oculus that uh, basically Facebook announced a few new things. Uh, one, the Oculus Rift is now 399 bucks with the touch controllers. So it's definitely more affordable than it was a few, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they are going to be releasing next year a Oculus Go standalone, which is essentially more or less the uh, Gear VR from... Uh, from Samsung, you know, where you put the phone in the thing, but it's only two hundred bucks, um, and it's a standalone no headset. Required. It's yeah, the the screen in there and all the optics and yeah. stuff are not phone dependent. You don't need one, which yeah. is great. Uh, you don't have the uh, controllers though, and I still maintain controllers are essential to get a good VR experience. Otherwise, you're just getting half of it. Um, they mentioned uh, the prototype again. They're working on the Santa Cruz prototype, probably coming out, you know, a couple of years uh, from now and um they also showcased their new ui the dash ui the rift core 2.0 is coming with a redesigned dash ui which looks like basically a computer desktop desktop like space uh mm-hmm. in vr which looks really good and then uh, respawn is uh partnering with oculus for a vr game that is super secret Respawn, in case you don't remember, the people behind the original Call of Duty games uh, and more recently Titanfall. So they're yeah. serious game developers. That is a pretty big deal to have those guys on board for whatever they're doing, I think. I think. I don't know. Titanfall 2 didn't sell well, but critically was huge. Um, I like what those guys do, but I hope this isn't just them going, well, we didn't make a lot of money in our last game. <laughs> oh, it is. It's money. I'm yeah. sure it is. It's Facebook paying them a bunch of money to make a game for the Oculus. I am yeah. certain that's what it is. That bums but, me out a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to see what they do. But yeah, I've they're, real, been- they're real They're real. game developers. So that is something we can look forward to, I think. Yeah, it's like that game company working on that um, 
that thing for for Apple TV, that 4K Apple TV game, the the Journey people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the name of the game. But sim- yeah. Similar name, or similar similar idea though. It's like a big name that usually is very console focused, suddenly making a thing for a device or a platform that you don't normally associate them with. So that's interesting. And I've always said, look, once VR becomes self-contained, portable, untethered, like all kinds of new things can happen for us all. And, you know, obviously that's going to depend on a lot of, you know, we want some good fidelity here and, and all the things that make a good experience on, an, on a, on a VR device. Good. That price point is great. I agree with you on controllers, but I still think this is a huge step in the right direction. I'm, I'm very maybe more excited about VR than I have been since the beginning, given the mass market potential of such a device. Very excited. I, I agree. They're, they're sort of painting a picture of a bright future for VR, which we were kind of in the stuck in the runt of, all right, the Vive is out and the Rift is out and they've been out for a couple of years and the PSVR is out. And do we like where do we stand now? Kind of. And like there's a lot, a, of, it, a lot of arcade shooters in here. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> But no. uh, but but it, I think you know if you look at it a little bit more closely, you know that the industry the industry is evolving in a positive uh, direction for all of those. But it's kind of harder to see from afar. And this showcase, I think, showed that there is a bright future ahead, and VR is not going anywhere. I still think we're you know st- in, at a stage where I wouldn't recommend any of this to anyone yet. But I think a couple of years from now, it's going to be kind of unavoidable. And yeah, yeah. and at that point, I would probably recommend something like the Oculus Go or some mm. cool mixed reality AR thing that's that's still not here. Like, there's so much potential that they've just barely scratched with this stuff. And these these are big hurdles. The the untethered, not giant, not not you know hugely expensive device is is definitely a hurdle and they got to get there and that seems like the step in the right direction yeah i think you know the oculus go for those who don't know it basically looks like the oculus the the front part of the oculus rift but really sleek slick and completely autonomous like no cables from anywhere probably has you know a couple of hours or three hours of uh uh time of uh you know autonomy time but this with the controllers I think that's exactly what you want for this second generation. And that's probably what we're going to get. Sure, it's not going to benefit from the power of your giant PC for getting incredible visuals in the thing. But you you gain the liberty of having no wires. And that is absolutely a where we're heading, I think. Or maybe one tiny cable. But um, yeah, yeah. so the future is bright. The future is now. Well, it's, the future. It's the world of tomorrow today. No, no. <laughs> the future will be now in a couple of years. Oh, okay, great. Uh, well, although, you know, the Oculus Go is coming out early next year, so that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, tell us about Battle Chasers, Scott. I've been hearing about that game a lot, and I, I have to say it's one of those that uh, I didn't pay enough attention to. I'm not even entirely sure what it is, and it's apparently getting raving reviews. Yeah, I'm surprised how much I like it. It's, I mean, you you like a good JRPG. I know that already about you. Um, I liked. Oh, old, that's the thing. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. yeah, and I liked old, like you know, original Final Fantasy, and I've had some others here and there that I liked. Okay, but I was always, I always struggled with like the overworld random battle crap, and 
overly complicated menus. Like I felt like sometimes those games just got way too far up their own butts and it drove me a little bit crazy. I was more of a Western RPG kind of fan, uh, generally speaking. But once in a while, something with like a turn-based JRPG mechanic comes along and I go, oh, that's interesting. Well, what caught my eye originally here was Battle Chaser's art. It is uh, so beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, the uh, the comic book artist Joe Maduria, he's m- known mostly for, oh gosh, in other games it'd be like, um, oh, I can't think of his name. Or I can't think of the name of the thing. Who? Uh, D- Death Stalker. Death Stalkers. No, Night 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 Dark Stalker. There you go. Dark. <laughs> What's the one with death and uh, war and? Um, yeah, usually no, that's what happens. Else, that one. I can't think of it now. Anyway, he did the art on that big, chunky, muscular, honking sword, cool, you know, shoulder pad looking monstrous dudes. Um, he cut his teeth in a lot of old Marvel and X-Men stuff. And he's 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 famous. People love this guy's art. Anyway, any time he does something new, Darkstalkers, that's it. Darkstalkers. Oh, those. Yes, I see. Yeah. Uh, every time he does anything, I go, Ooh, what do we got going on over here with what's Joe working on these days? And what he's working on or has been working on is battle chasers. So the art style alone was enough to draw me. And then when I started hearing, Oh, it's like a JRPG turn-based thing. I thought, okay, well, we'll see. Here's what I'm happy to report. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's a no nonsense version of one of those old games. You got mana, you got health, you got abilities, you unlock new abilities as you level, you get loot from things you kill. Uh, when you enter a battle, you you come down into a little screen where it's them on one side, you on the other, and you take your turns, and there's haste that makes your turn come up quicker. It's very Final Fantasy that way. Uh, but what it does really cool in those battles is the animation and the and the art, the way it's animated is incredible. Just visceral awesome beautiful game uh very real uh, well realized characters i guess battle chasers is actually a comic or a manga or something i, I don't know enough about the original yeah, thing. i, it's I believe fun. oh dark siders oh, i can say dark stalkers dark siders is yes. correct that's dark siders of course Dark it, it kept bothering yeah. me. I was like, "Oh, what is it? Is it? Is it really?" I guess Scott knows what he's talking about. Yeah, got that wrong. I was saying it wrong. But yeah, it- <laughs> yeah. He, he made a uh, he made a, um, a comic called Battle Chasers, and that's where that comes from. Indeed. Yeah, this is all based on that, and it is uh, this big overworld that's like a map. Okay, and you move around that world, and there are things to fight on the way on there. But then you'll find like a cave in the overworld and you can go inside of that cave and explore it kind of Diablo style. And in there you're running around, you actually have some abilities outside of it, but you can only control one character, but you can switch out who's being controlled of your party. Again, very final fantasy that way. Um, but it's really- one, ca- no, you have more than one. You have three characters that you control, right? Yeah. You just switch between them while you're in this sort of Diablo mode. Uh, oh right, okay. The, so there is some action when you're in the quote-unquote overworld, but then you also get into battle battles where you have the three characters, and in this overworld, you only have one character, and you can still do stuff with it. Yeah, and switch between them for certain certain right. circumstances. So like after a hard battle, I might want to switch to my healer guy and just do a little free heal I get, uh, or I may want to switch to uh, this lady that can break stuff down or whatever. So you have these different reasons to do that. Also, it's got kind of a Paper Mario mechanic where if I see a creature in one of these dungeons and I want to go up and whack him on the head, if I do that, he'll be stunned for his first turn. 
uh, during the actual battle phase. So that worked that way in those Mario games, and it works really well here. There are no random battles. Everything you fight, you purposely bump into, run into, walk over. Like right. you they go- got away from that on, on JRPGs a while ago. It was super annoying. Thank goodness, because I hate it. I, I, and and the, my number one problem with like mainline Pokemon games is they still do that. I can't stand it. Running <laughs> through the weeds, it's like, oh, got to wait for everything to load up, manimate, and it sucks. Uh, so all that stuff's gone. Uh, but the core gameplay is still very much, you know, rooted in that stuff. Really wicked spells, crazy new stuff to unlock, interesting characters, voice acting, top notch, awesome. Uh, maybe my biggest surprise. I thought it'd be goofy and bad for, I don't know why I thought that, but it's like top shelf, really, really good VO. And, um, I'm about two hours into this thing and it's got a really good loop to it. I think it's great. I'm going to recommend it to people. Even if you don't think you're a JRPG fan, this is, this is something beyond that. It's a little, a little more special, you know, as far as how the story stacks up to other stories of this kind, I don't know. Mm. who knows it's it's still a little out there like oh this sword if you grab it right has a big eyeball in it and you know it's a lot of anime ish tropey things um even though there's you know some of these guys including joe are not japanese or creators of japanese material so it's not like you know i mean you're well, this get- was a kickstarted kickstarted game i think Correct. um so it you can see how some fans of his and developers that love jrpgs would think wow we could do something awesome with those two things um yeah yeah you're absolutely right so it i i mean i don't know how else to describe it except to say big surprise to me it just Mm. turned out really cool and i'm totally into it and it's like what 19 bucks yeah so totally worth it First of all, I, I have a couple of things and a question. Um, first, it's on Switch, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize, and we're going to be talking about that in just a second. But um, second, I keep I'm on the the site now, BattleChasers.com. I keep staring at those animations and graphics. They mm-hmm. are so beautiful, so yeah. pretty. It's it's really like a joy for your eyes. Um, yep. But there is one question. Maybe you're a couple of hours in, so you don't have that, that you're not far along enough yet. But I've heard that it was really difficult because the progression was not super well uh, smoothed out. And, uh, you know, some of the items you would get were not, you can equip them yet. And some of the crafting you could do was uh, too late when you were able to craft some items. And they were, I think they're saying they're going to issue a patch soon-ish they're reviewing all of this have you experienced that difficulty or that weird uh you know balance issue yet or not at all no i'm playing it on pc the switch version is delayed Um, oh is it okay not i don't know how much it's delayed it's enough for me to that's and i would have gotten it there had and i may still get a copy there um and for all for for full disclosure the um the devs sent me a code uh, for this particular one. Oh, so you're they they uh, they bought your endorsement. They bought my basically. love and endorsement. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, but they they really uh, they really I don't know. They just it sucked me in in a way I didn't expect. So uh, those problems I haven't really seen yet, but okay. I'm sure they're there. I mean, obviously a patch would be nice if there's if those issues exist. But 
outside of that, from like a technical, like sort of engine perspective, everything runs really smoothly. Um, the, the world itself is very, oh, this is probably not a good comparison, but you know, um, torch, the torchlight games. Yes. Kind of got that vibe a little bit from it. Um, there's a very torchlighty kind of style to the color and the way thing, I don't know, there's a kind of a, um, a tilt shift effect on the camera in some places. Like it's just beautiful. I, I, I'm, I think it's quite mm. an achievement and okay. the, and the, the, the visceralness of the attacks, even the most basic attacks, it's just something else. It's just loud and thunky and just feels like you're doing business. It, it's real good. I, you know, I really want to buy it, but yeah. I want it on, like a, on the Switch, I think. Yeah, I, I, if, be, if yeah. I were you and you can wait, I think I'd probably do that. Too. You know, again, Axiom 17, I have many, many other games to play. I look at it and I'm like, I want this. Um, but I'm going to leave it for, there is going to be a whole bunch of games that are going to be left over for, from 2017 that I'm going to be playing 2018, you know, beginning of 2018, although there are things coming out in early 2018 as well, but, uh, there's going to be some stuff and probably games that I can enjoy on the go with a tiny human resting on, on, you know, the side (laughs) or on my chest is probably going to be something that I uh, appreciate. So um, yeah, this will be one of those. I'm sure. I'm sure mm-hmm. that it's uh, then this. Oh man, the switch would be the perfect place for this yeah. game. I don't know why I got delayed, but it's kind of a bummer. Mm. Yeah, and it's so it's still 2017 at this point, but they're not sure. They're waiting for um, they're waiting for Unity updates. So uh-huh. the engine. I've heard Unity. There've been Unity issues on the platform. I that was news to me, but I heard it's they're not the only ones. Anybody using Unity for their engine is having trouble on Switch mm. a little bit. Well, all right. Well, we hope it's going to come out soon. Um, it's still 2017 for now, but they're saying we don't know when it will be available. So, right. Um, well, so. It is. It will be available on the Switch, but that leads us into the kind of incredible few days and weeks that the Switch has had consolidating itself as the, you know, Nintendo AAA amazing games. And there are some other AAA games that are going to be coming to the Switch given its success. Everyone wants to get into that action. Um, but there are also a lot of smaller indie type games, um, two of which I'd like to mention, uh, the first one is Stardew Valley that came out on the Switch, was already available uh, for a while on PC. And the other one is SteamWorld Dig 2, um, which I heard a lot about and I was about to buy on uh, the Switch. And then I realized I already had the first one on Steam and I had played it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> so I went back and played a few <laughs> hours of that to to get a feeling for that game. Um Definitely interesting, uh, but I'll let you talk about uh, Steam World Dig Two. I did purchase and play Stardew Valley, though. Uh, yeah. I'm not, again, it's one of those things where it's not really my type of game, um, but it's kind of I can see the serene, uh, relaxing nature of the experience and how people would get sucked into it. But um, it's not my. I'm more, you know stab a an orc into the face so hard that his friends get horrified and flee in terror uh type of game right now so (laughs) stardew valley valley doesn't quite uh scratch that itch although i hear later in the game you can go down in caves and 
you know, stab oh, monsters. But you can totally do that later. That's true. I had it on the PC and now on Switch. Um, oh, you bought it again. I did. Uh, well, the original, I think I got a code for that back in the day and was really impressed by it because it's one dude. It's a it's a guy who made this game. And it's so impressive for a one-man effort. It's crazy to me when that happens in video games. And I always like to support those. Um, but but, but also, you, can, you, you agree, I mean, you can confirm to me this is the game. Like you, you do your. For those who don't know, you, you're. It's a 16-bit type graphics game. You're this uh, employee who's not satisfied with his life. Basically, two seconds into the game, <laughs> you are. It's the intro. You have a couple of slides, and you get to the farm that your grandfather or great uncle or whatever left you and you start farming and meeting people from the village and forging relationships with those people and that's it that's the you game better, right you get better tools you get better you, you, you there's a progression to it you you essentially you kind of level up i suppose um it's also got a real time mechanic so there's a clock running all the time um that jumps about I don't know. It's fast. It's a fast thing. Yeah, one day is about 10 minutes. Yeah, or something like that. And the downside of that is that you, you, there's things you need to get done at certain times of day. Like, it's no good to be doing certain things late at night because you're not going to be able to do them. them. Or if you waited too long, you may as well go to sleep and do it the next day. And if you forgot to water plants before you went to bed, then you're going to wake up and those might be dead. Um, Or you, it's summer's over and now the crops you had in there are no good because for some reason one... (laughs) One day makes all the difference on how well your uh, your carrots are going to grow or whatever. So there's a lot of weird little nuancey things. But if anybody out there has played Harvest Moon or to some degree Animal Crossing, which I can't wait for that to be on Switch, but um, <laughs> then this is something you'd probably like. And I love Animal Crossing. I'm a giant nerd for that game. But um, the fun is in those games is that, right? Discovering the little town and... Yeah, playing Farmville on your farm. Yes, making money. Like, how much money can I make from from selling all of these seeds or all the all my crops that I just harvested? Like, I can go to town and make a crap ton of money, and therefore afford cooler furniture, better stuff for my dog, or you know, like it's it's definitely one of those like kind of life simulator sort of things. But you're right about the sort of pace of it. It's just sort of like go at your own rate, build storage containers so you can have more. Um, automate your sprinkler system so you don't have to manually go water everything. <laughs> like it sounds, it sounds goofballs crap, but it, but it's totally as I'm describing it. Uh, I mean, that's basically the game, and right. I and I love it. I thought I played the crap out of it on the PC, and I'm super glad to have it in this format because this is the perfect just sit there chilling at night, <clears throat> need a game to play. This may as well be the game I'm playing. So yeah. it's definitely oh. it feels extremely chill. Um, mm-hmm. All For right, sure. so that's out on the Switch. Uh, also on the Switch, Golf Story and SteamWorld Dig 2. Again, tell me about both of those games. All right, so SteamWorld Dig 2, if you've, it sounds like you've recently dipped your toe back into SteamWorld Dig 1 just to kind of see what you'd forgotten about or whatever. Um, it is in a continuation of that, a different character. Uh, story-wise, the first one didn't have much of a story. This one has a much more deep story. But imagine if you took, like, Castlevania or uh, uh, freaking Metroid or something, that kind of game, but made it so instead of going into a world and exploring 
you know, different structures or places or whatever, you're actually just digging down and doing that. So you're digging dirt, you're digging down, trying to find treasure, but at the same time, you're trying to get to unknown places or to special portal spaces or to ancient technologies that are buried deep beneath the earth. And while you're getting there, you'll fight monsters and, and improve your skills. And you can go up to the surface, sell the items you've got, you've gathered and, and kind of Diablo up there a little bit as far as like, you know, putting money into your, to your skills and having new skills to use and eventually you get hooks and uh, that will help you swing from place to place and get out of a cave that you normally wouldn't be able to get out of reach areas. You couldn't get the first time, which is very Castlevania um, and very Metroid. And, um, you know, get things like a jetpack that'll take you to places you didn't even know were on the, in the game. It's awesome. It's an excellent video game and is reviewing high with both players and, and critics for a reason. It's, it's really, really fun and unique. I like the SteamWorld games generally, like Heist I thought was also really good. But Heist was basically in that world, but it was a uh, an outer space-based sort of XCOM, turn-based two-day XCOM, XCOM game, um, but with their own spin on it. And that's what they're really good at. This is basically their spin on Castlevania Metroid-style adventure. Metroidvania, yeah. Metroidvania. How different is it from the first one? Because the first Team World Dig was not exactly... Like, it was digging and getting deeper and deeper with those kinds of mechanics. But I'm hearing... The second one is really like it's not randomized. The the mine is not randomized. It's crafted by hand, and there is a lot more um, Metroidvania e feeling yeah, to it. Right? I would I would agree, I would agree with that, and I think for the better. It's 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 a little less aimless. It's also a little less harsh. Like when you died in the first one, you'd lose everything you had, and you'd had to go up and you'd like if you had a bunch of gold on you that you'd mined, it's all gone, and that's a lot of money wasted, and you'd have to pay for repairs. Um, well, you had to go get it back. At least that's you, you could, could get go half get it of back, it yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, you could get some of it back. Now you get uh, half of it, or, or more, maybe more than that. You get back just from dying. You just keep it. You just have okay. it. And anytime you go to the surface, instead of having to pay to have your healing done or whatever, you just heal up there. So there's lots of little sort of life improvement stuff going on. Um, that I think opened it up a lot more to actual gameplay, moment to moment stuff, and I think it's I think it's super strong. Um, it's it's held my attention way more than the first one did, and I like the first one, but this one's really got me. So I think it's a a worthy recommendation, and it's on every freaking platform. But again, I think it shines on the Switch. It's really good on there. Cool. So yeah. last one, Golf Story, which again I've heard from everyone is really good. I I'm I don't know what to make of it because it's a it's a role playing game with golf where you're like I don't even understand how that would work. I mean I've heard a lot about it, so I kind of understand, but I'm curious to hear you uh describe it. Again, this is basically the Switch section. All of those uh except Battle Chasers, which is not out yet on the Switch, but all of those are probably best enjoyed on the Switch. Um Yeah. Have you have you played Mario Golf? Any of its old iterations, like uh, you know, Color Game Boy that era, or any of that stuff? Is that ever a thing? Not in any serious capacity. Okay, that's good to know because uh, <laughs> Golf Story is that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I understand the Mario Golf part. What I don't understand is the story part, like the the silly RPG. I'm going to become the best golfer in the world. Uh, Part, like how does it i understand going on a you know putting the tee down and, and shooting golf balls 
uh, golf balls. I, I don't yeah. understand the RPG element. Right. There's a lot more to that than I expected either. In fact, I just like video game golf generally. I think it's just fun mechanically. And I like the simpler, the better. I like kind of just the, the old school, you know, Mario Kart or Mario Golf method. Um, and that's what this is. But you're just this dude who the game starts out. You're hanging out with your dad playing golf and you just love it. It's so good. And you're just this little 16 bit looking thing, you know, game top down thing. And you're learning all the basics of how to golf. Super simple, kind of tutorial stuff, but it's also story. And then that fades out. And now it's 20 years later. You're in an apartment by yourself and your wife wakes you up with the phone and you talk to her and she wants you to come home and you say, I can't. I have to be. I'm working on becoming a better golfer. And she's super pissed at you. She wants you to come get your stuff and move out. So it's weird and it's funny and it's kind of edgy, but also it's totally fine for all audiences. It's just, you know, there's some subversive stuff in there. Um, but then you go out and you start just doing things like, oh, here's a guy with a. Th- it's like almost like wow, you'll be walking around this this seemingly somewhat abandoned golf course, and there'll be a guy with a thing over his head, and you go click on him, and he'll go, oh hey, what's up? And you'll he'll say, hey, yeah, I'm I'm trying to. I see these switches in the middle of the islands over there. I wonder what would happen if I hit it with my golf ball. And then you're like, oh, I'm gonna try that. You drop a ball wherever you are. And now you're in golf mode and you can whack that ball. And if you hit the the target, something will happen like a chest will pop out or you'll get a bunch of gold or money and, and you get XP and you get levels and then you can increase your stats. And it's awesome. It's great. It's <laughs> it's, it's an adorable, fun, um, addicting little game. You know, boss fights are basically when you get to you, you've cleared all the quests of a course, which are always little short things, little things, small quests, nothing major. It's like get the ball all the way to the hole without touching any of the sand traps in this very sand trappy kind of place. And that, so that might be one of the, the goals. But it's not like 18 holes of golf. It's just like this little job. And then later to pass the whole place, maybe you have to play one on one with the with the club champion in a nine hole game. And that plays really well, too, just like nine hole golf should play. Hmm. It's great. It's just great. It's my big surprise. Like at the end of this year, if I've got a, a some sort of award in my head for surprise of the year or for the most delightful non, I didn't even know about it till it came out thing, it's going to be Golf Story. It's really? okay. Yeah, I love it. It's really good. It's also, um, oh, yeah, we, we mentioned this available on, on Switch. So, you know, I've been watching battle chasers videos for like the last 15 minutes if i'm being honest i want to get it so bad it looks amazing it's 30 bucks by the way and available on windows and mac oh my gosh 30 bucks um yeah i had it on the i got the steam version is where i ended up getting it i didn't know it was 30 i thought it was 19 Mm. still recommended it's still worth it yep Yep. (laughs) it's it's really good like straight up for real it's Mm. It's a hell of a game. Uh, right. So golf story. So the, the core of the game is playing golf. It's not mm. like all of a sudden the RPG element transform it into something different. It's just different reasons to shoot a golf ball with a uh, iron four on a tee. Yeah. And, yeah. Just, and yeah. you got these like, I mean, it's it's creative, though. It's not always just make it into the hole. Like that would be boring. Mm. This is more like. Hey, there's these uh, disc golf, frisbee golf hipsters up the road. You need to go get them off the course so that they're not bugging us anymore. 
So you go up there and you talk to them and they're like, yeah, you need to beat us at our own game. And by the way, don't call it Frisbee golf. You have to call it disc golf. Frisbee golf's for losers. We're only disc golfers. <laughs> like it's this kind of weird like sub, you know, sub tweet stuff going on. And I, 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 I have yet to be bored. Like it's just not boring. Hmm. And there's all these different clubs to open up and, and you get there by leveling. And this the Indiana Jones guy had to have me try to find a, um, a, a an old buried artifact because if if this uh, kind of caveman golf club didn't get their <laughs> didn't get their their uh, little uh, Indiana Jones thing back, then they weren't going to let me golf there. So I can't <laughs> go there till I get this th- go dig it up. So I, I get this metal detector thing, and now I can dig up treasures anywhere. Like it's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's just great. It's okay. Just a great idea. It does know? sound fun. You're you're kind of selling me on it. It's only fifteen bucks again. A uh, this is a switch only title. Switch only is correct, I believe, at least for now. I think it's yeah. a switch exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure eventually it could come to other platforms, but for now it's switch only, and that kind of rounds up our our feelings of wow, the switch really succeeding in everything it's trying, and uh, as we mentioned, the Mario game seems like it might be a, a significant hit as well. It's getting all of those indie games also, and some of the um, major developers are getting really interested in that console too. So it's looking at like you can't really go wrong with, with the Switch. And God knows, a year ago, I would not have predicted that much enthusiasm. So um, Oh, yeah, no, that's it's crazy how that thing's doing, and I'm, I'm so happy about it. I love the device. It's so good. I think, I think it really... Uh, it exemplifies the fact that the thing that really matters in gaming is interestingly games. You know, mm-hmm. that is what makes or breaks a console. The console itself can be super interesting, you know, big, powerful, whatever uh, support you, you can get. If you have good games on that console, it's probably going to be, if you have headlines, the Nintendo games are the headlines and the other things that we're talking about are the support that if you have those, then you're going to be good. And mm-hmm. uh, we alluded to it earlier, but the PlayStation four has those in, in various ways. I would argue the Xbox one doesn't have enough of the headlines. So everything that comes afterwards doesn't really matter as well. It's the same for VR. They there are nice experiences, but not headlines experiences. So we're mm-hmm. not quite there yet. But uh, yeah. yeah, the the switch is proving that you can make it with anything. Yeah, I, I sometimes I think they got lucky. Sometimes I just think Nintendo knew what they were doing the whole time. Sometimes I don't know what to think. I just feel special that it exists. I think and there's I, a little bit of luck. Um, oh, yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah. They get lucky all the time, Nintendo does. <laughs> well, let's say they they make a lot of their own luck, too. Yeah, that's good um, point. Yeah, we're, we're probably going to be talking about the Switch a lot towards the end of the year when the, uh, you know, um, let's look back at 2017 moment comes. But uh, mm-hmm. for now, let's move on to another small game, which I really like, actually, uh, called Iron Marines. And that is a mobile game available on iOS and Android. It's a game developed by Ironhide Games. And uh, those are the the guys behind Kingdom Rush, which is probably the best tower defense game you 
can get on mobile platforms. It is, if you haven't never played a tower defense game on, on, well, Kingdom Rush or any of its incarnations on mobile, and you're looking for a tower defense game on mobile, go get that one. It is, there are like three different games, but they're all amazing. You pay for them at first, and then there are in-game stuff you can get if you want, but it's reasonably priced. It's about five bucks, probably less now that the games are old. Um, it, amazing games. Iron Marines, also, those who listen to the show know that I'm not a big fan of uh, mobile games. Usually, I tend to try them and, and not <laughs> follow through too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Marines is a uh, real-time strategy game for the mobile, like RTS, full-on, almost, you know, StarCraft, very much StarCraft-inspired, if not <laughs> straight-up rip-off, but mm-hmm. ver- adapted to the mobile platform with very clever decisions. Like you will only ever control a handful of units or groups of units. Uh, You can change one, like you select, uh, you know, you have like the the, uh, certain types of units, but you have three different kinds that you can uh, spawn. And throughout the game, in the middle of the game, if you think, oh, well, I I don't need the soldiers now, I need the snipers, you can change you can switch that group of units instantly it costs a little bit of resource but you can do that which means they can get away with only having you control a handful of of units and you can still keep the strategic depth of having to have the right unit at the right time at the right place um there's also only one type of resource which generates automatically over time. You don't have to mine it. Uh, you can get bonuses if you go to the right place and find that little depot. But overall, it's just a really good version of an RTS slash a little bit of elements of, of uh, tower defense still. But it's like the perfect step up from those tower defense games they were making for years and a uh, uh, perfect translation of what an an RTS can be on a mobile platform. I think it's a masterful, uh, masterfully game designed game and a really good game in general. So I would recommend it wholeheartedly. It's on iOS and Android. Uh, Just something I wouldn't have thought would work an RTS on mobile. Yeah, I picked it up for uh, my... I think it's five bucks. Yeah, I got it on my iPad Pro, and it's everything Patrick says is true. It's really cool. It's it's funny. It's like it plays to the strengths of of mobile in a way that a lot of games just don't know how to do it. You know, yeah. And it's it's really good. It, it's cool. like mobile done well, like mobile gaming done well. There are a lot of good mobile games, but most of them, you know, even if you put aside the energy aspect of them, like even um, games like Clash of Clans or, or Clash Royale, which are objectively good, well-designed games, sure. they are still like, I don't know, there's a, a quality to them that makes them not exactly scratch the itches that we have as gamers, like as console or PC gamers. I think Iron Marines uh, scratches that itch pretty well. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. a, a different animal. Totally agree. It's got like a... Mm, I know it's hard to explain. It's uh, they just know that a, a touch. They know how to touch screens should work. Mm. Let's put it that way. There's no weird, you know, fake joysticks or here's how to <laughs> select everybody. I mean, they've just they played to the strengths of mobile in a way that 
benefits that game greatly. And if you like Starcraft or, or, or like you said, or if you like, uh, I don't know, a Red Alert or something, and, and you want to play something that feels like that but isn't way complicated for a touchscreen, that game's really cool. Yeah. It's good. I will say it's probably a little bit more enjoyable on a large uh, iPad screen than on the phone. Agreed. But it's definitely playable on the phone, too. Yeah, I've been playing on the iPad for that reason, and it's it's really good there. Uh, a little side mention that um the the tablet version of which is not on phone, but only tablets, but the tablet version of Darkest Dungeon is extremely good. It's really well done. It was already a good game. It's great yeah. on on PC and and other platforms, but the the iPad version of that is is awesome. Dark game, like it yeah. bears its name well. Darkest Dungeon really, is really does. They did finally put in a mode that's a little less intense, so it's a little more casual if you want to just have some fun. But it's never light fun. <laughs> that game, <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, we could talk about that game for a while as well. But um, again, too many games. What's yep. the What's the name of that thing, Scott? That I'm, Axiom Seventeen. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow, he remembered. I'm honored. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, run through a, th- a few of those uh, additional tidbits of news. Um, Assassin's Creed Origin is getting, of course, a season, spa- a season pass and some free DLC. They're all focused on Egyptian mythology. So basically, it's going to have to do with uh, gods and fighting gods and fighting for gods and all that kind of thing. There are going to be two paid DLC, but there are also going to be some free stuff, a challenge mode, photo mode. Well, that's kind of anecdotal um uh, discovery mode which we mentioned last time where you just hang out and learn about ancient uh, egypt and a horde mode so it's looking like there's going to be some stuff for you to do in assassin's creed origins um if you're you know if you don't think the game itself is enough the 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 announcement trailer i have to say made it look pretty exciting because that focus on mythology and gods is I think something that I, I I don't know if it's we've never had this in the Assassin's Creed series. It's like completely obviously mm-hmm. mythological and unrealistic whereas the 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 science fiction of Assassin's Creed has usually stayed in the realm of realism-ish. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I'm looking forward to what they're doing there. Yeah. I the whole idea that they're making an educational version is insane to me. <laughs> like what they're doing, what they're doing with that Egyptian stuff, and 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 where they want to place that in schools and stuff, and let people just basically tour around that world. That's crazy and totally cool. And I think it's separate, isn't it? Do I have to buy that? Um, I I- no, no, no. It's a it's a free update to the game. So it's part of the game, okay? Because yep. there were some rumors to the fact that you may have to pay for it. But either way, I guess in, in a school's case, they would literally just have to pay for the game. And then they would have the the thing. But I love mm-hmm. the idea that you could send some, you know, five year old through the, the ancient Egyptian stuff and have them walk through pyramids. And like there's there's something really, really neat about that. So they obviously have thought enough about their world building to think that that would be a, a secondary way to use it. Well, I hope it's going to be we sort of talked about it a little bit last time, but I hope it's going to be taking advantage of the medium of video games and not just, you know, walk to a character to to a place or a character and have a wall of text explaining to you what that is. Like, hopefully there is more to it than that, but I'm guessing there is. So, yeah, I think so. looks good though. I'm very excited about that game. It's, it's going to be easy for that one to get lost in the shuffle. You know, it being a sequel of a long running series and as you know, people want something new. So the, 
the Mario game and other things are going to eclipse it a little bit. But if I'm being honest, actually, that one's way up on my list of things I want this month. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'll I'll wait for the. I mean, I'll be lost in Mario for a little bit, <laughs> so um, I'll wait for people to give their impressions on Assassin's Creed. But uh, it, it, I think it gets pushed back to that early 2018 time slot as well. But um, yep. I mean, we'll see. It's coming out in a couple of weeks, and then we have a little bit that's coming out in November. But then we have December. That's kind of empty already because all the big games for the season will be out so um yeah that's star- that month's all about star wars and spending your money on the new movie that's what that is <laughs> yeah on the new movie and on wonderful loot boxes in battle uh, battlefront 2 right yeah yeah that sounds exactly right <laughs> uh hulu is getting four esports shows um they're esl focused and there are like really different types of shows the one that like there's some almost reality tv type of thing um there's one that caught my attention which is defining moments uh the name of the show and it's basically a recap of what's been happening in esl so it's not all esport but uh what's been happening in esl for the past week or however often the show is going to be uh doing is going to be airing and that is something i've wanted for a long time for esports in general, but I really like that um, Hulu is paying for this basically because it's cheap content and they need content, and cool. this gives them a an opportunity to try different things and to see what sticks in that world. There's like a gamified debate show is how they call it, called Player versus Player, bunch of stuff. But it's cool hey, that they're trying that different. Sounds things, right? terrible. The player versus player when I am so not interested in that one. Well. It's just a look. Read how it reads. Shoutcasters and influencers will sit in a room and yell at each other, and then whoever wins, <laughs> like that sucks. That's my reality TV crap. I don't want any of that. What I want is like team stuff, behind the scenes stuff, which they are going to do with some of those other shows. But it feels like that one's totally filler. I don't. I don't want that one. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it can be a fun game show about stuff from the esports world like you know who's the player who did this and what characters is that and mm-hmm. eh, maybe uh but yeah the the boot camp is uh going to be following the uh, csgo team from immortals as they make their way through a tournament that could be really interesting but it's kind of reality tv ish or i guess it's more reporting ish but um Reminds me of NFL films here where they follow teams through the season. And stuff. That's that's pretty interesting. It's kind of documentary style, and I hope that's what yeah, they that's do. Yeah, that's probably a good description. Yeah, yeah. what I don't want is um, – I mean, I'm, I'm a little worried that it's so uh, Valve-focused. It's very it's very much Counter-Strike Go and very much um, Dota-focused, fo- this thing. There's this PUBG stuff too, So we, but we don't know what form that takes yet. But, you know, it's obviously none of the Blizzard games. It's – the big ESL stuff, which are the two Valve games. I don't even think League of Legends gets much play here. Like, it's going to be a little limited that way, and I don't know. I, I wish it was that's a little true. more, more uh, that's, stuff. Well, that, those are the games that, yeah, the ESL is involved in, and the other ones have their own, you know, uh, leagues and, and tournaments. Um, but the the thing that I think it might we might get out of it is, as I was saying, they try a bunch of stuff and whatever works out and finds its public might be you know uh recreated for other games that we might be more interested in ourselves Mm -hmm. totally agree 
Uh, Razer might be announcing, is probably going to be announcing a gamer-focused phone on November 1st. They've been teasing it. Um, I'm not sure what they would need to do for me to be interested. They've they've often come out with some pretty weird hardware things. Uh, I love their mice and keyboards, but their hardware, other hardware is often a little bit, I mean... They have gaming PCs that aren't 15 kilos and, and, you know, gigantic. So that can be interesting. But on a phone, my guess would be something Switch-like with actual controllers on the sides. Could Mm -hmm. maybe. But I'm not going to go and buy a Razer gamer phone. I'm going to have my phone and that's what it's going to be, right? Yeah, plus it's a split player base. I never liked that kind of thing. Like it needs to be... Well, you know, it's, what does it doesn't remind me of. It's like any, actually, most accessories. It's like the the uh, original Connect for the Xbox 360 that was never going to be get that was never going to get 100% support because it wasn't 100% user bought purchased. You know what I mean? So you have to have your, uh, you know, like another good example back when Sony introduced analog controllers to the PlayStation One, the first DualShock came after well after that machine had launched with just a normal d-pad controller and that's great and all but very few games supported it well why but because there's a split player base like you have to develop for the lowest common denominator what's the most common setup and anything beyond that is gravy and you just don't get a lot of gravy so i think a lot of the mobile games do um you know support controllers it's just that people don't have them yeah, no, they do. Like my, I have a bunch of games that support controllers, and I really appreciate the ones that do. And I have the right. I mean, people don't have the controllers, so right, right. So, 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 yeah. So, why would they go out mm. of their way to <laughs> to support these things too much? The ones that do, I appreciate that they do, but mm. they don't. It's not enough. I need it to be standard. It's almost like if the Switch shipped as just a tablet, and you had to go out and buy these Joy Cons for the sides. That would be the dumbest business of decision. Course, yeah. Yeah, so that's what it's like to me. I just, I, good on them, exciting business. Probably not going to buy one. <laughs> um, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe it's going to be something entirely different. Um, yeah. uh, Fortnite now has 10 million players thanks to their Battle Royale mode. And um, they actually, it, it went up from 7 million like. I don't know, a week ago. So definitely Battle Royale and free-to-play are good combinations to have for a game company at the moment. Um, And they also made a blog post explaining that they are going to be uh, improving the Unreal Engine with everything they've learned about their Fortnite Battle Royale development. So this is kind of a response to what the Bluehole people, Bluehole being the developer of uh, Player Unknown's Battleground, of course, uh, what the Bluehole people had been saying about Epic developing a Battle Royale game and their worries that uh, they would benefit for their game, they would benefit from the development that uh, they both had been doing on PUBG to improve the engine so that it could uh, handle 100 players at the same time and stuff like that. So basically, Epic decided, we're going to get in front of this, we're going to shut them down immediately and say, no, we're going to improve the engine with all of this. And of course, they didn't mention them, but it was very clearly uh, directed at them. And I think that is going to be uh, effective in shutting them down and just getting them to talk about whatever they need to talk about with uh, Epic behind closed doors 
as that should have been from the beginning and not even give the impression that uh, Blue Hole was kind of claiming ownership over the Battle Royale anything because that was ridiculous. So. Yeah, the whole thing was silly. But uh, for, on a side note, I played a bunch of that, the Fortnite deal. Um, I think I prefer it. <laughs> I hate to say that. Because I've been a big proponent of uh, of the other, of the real of PUBG. The real PUBG. I think yeah, it's great. Yeah, you and, and fifteen other million people. <laughs> yeah, it's a big popular game, and I think I and I and I definitely recognize why, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. But I got in there, and I was I was ready to hate on the Fortnite thing. I was ready to get in there and go, mm. "Well, this is a crappy knockoff. I'm going back to PUBG. I kind of like it more." <laughs> so what makes you like it more the, the like cartoony graphics the building that, mechanics or it's less janky it's just not a the other one feels like a homemade jank fest like mm. a lot of it's like daisy and all those they all just feel like some dudes making them and that's true except now he's a rich dude and now can maybe hire other people but you well, know blue hole is a company they hired him to to well, make right. it so yeah Right, he makes the mod, or he made the mod for Arma, they hired him, now he's making the game, and they've got people to do it and all that. I totally get that, and I think that's great, but this other thing's just less, like, it's just not broken. <laughs> like, you can just, right. well, like, even simple dumb things, like when you jump out of the plane, and you get ready to land and pop your chute, there's just this smooth animated transition of you landing on the ground, not like this jarring glitch fest that is PUBG, but PUBG's just kind of messy. And this one is tight and controlled and kind of polished like a video game. <laughs> like it plays more like a video game. And, I, and I'm, I'm as surprised as anybody, but I think there's a reason that people are glomming over there. First of all, that, that mode's just going to be fun no matter where you put it. But also it just feels good. It's a nice thing and it's free. And, you know, I, I'm not, I, am, I, I came away from that going, oh, all right. I'm kind of all in on the Fortnite battle <laughs> all of a sudden. So, yeah, whatever. It's a weird drama moment for video games, but I I think it's fine. It's a it's a great new genre, subgenre of something, you know, that, that people are already sort of doing in other ways and you're just going to see it spread. I think easily the next Battlefield game will have some kind of mode. Um probably, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it wasn't. And there's a lot people could do with it. Hell, I'd play I'd play an Overwatch mode with a thousand Soldier seventy six or a hundred Soldier seventy six is dropped into a place like that. It'd be amazing. Yeah, that that could be interesting. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, talking about Blizzard, they are starting their beta on the basically Blizzard social. Um, oh, and we didn't talk about appear offline on the instance, mm. but they have yep. appear offline now. Yeah. Finally, uh, after five years. Oh my God. Yeah, what took that so long? What was the deal there? We'll was, never know. Um, but they also, were we talking about it, too? We were just talking about that. Yeah, now. yeah. Like for episode 500 of The Instance, you made a big stink about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I wanted it to come so bad, and then bam, the next week yeah. they did it. It's and then they were like, oh, crap, we forgot about that thing. Ah, and Scott is, like, super angry. Quick, let's implement it. And they pushed the button, and it was in. Thank goodness he exists and tells <laughs> us things so that we can make them. Yay. Um, they also have the Blizzard social tab on the beta on the U.S. servers. But basically, it's a Battle.net level uh, group management thing where you can create a group of gamers 
on Battle.net, which is not a lot more to say about this. It's a mini Discord type thing. I'm sure it's going to evolve into more as time goes on, but it's something that Blizzard needed given their uh, involvement in the uh, uh, you know multiplayer online infrastructure for so long. So you can basically create a guild or group or clan or whatever on a application level, on a, a network level, rather than having it inside your specific game. So that was probably needed. It's good that it's here, and uh, hopefully it will arrive in the actual uh, Battle.net application and not just the beta and not just the US fairly soon. Mm. Perfect. Uh, all right, uh, that's about it. I did want to address one thing before we left, and that is a review from on, on iTunes from someone called Webisan uh, from the UK. And Webisan said disappointment indeed he gives us two stars that's harsh i think uh but here here's why um webby sand says after listening to the last episode i've made up my mind to give it up having a few issues already with the way the caster deals with gaming news i would be curious to know what issues those are but I guess I won't. Uh, I was pushed by a poorly informed attempt to review Divinity Original Original Sin 2. Not going to rant here. Feel free to listen and you'll understand. I'll be surprised if this makes the public reviews unsubbed. So... A few things here. Usually the reviews on iTunes are pretty complimentary and I'm very happy to get them. And it's not like I'm going to read all of the negative reviews of which there aren't many, but... I think this raised a couple of interesting questions. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure whatever gave you the impression, Webisan, that I would not read a negative review because it's negative. Like, I, I'm fairly open with all of those things. Um, I I also am uh, very glad to listen to constructive criticism. So I would have loved having you go on the website and uh, actually give it reasons why you thought it, we were being unfair in that, uh, which wasn't a review, by the way, it was just impressions on the few hours of the game we had played. Um, but I guess you won't hear this since you've unsubbed. And I, 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 you made me curious about that review. So I went back, not review, about those impressions, what we said, and I went back and listened to it. And not only do I mention the fact that we don't really do reviews, we do impressions for what we've been playing, because this is not that kind of show. But also, I felt like our reasoning and our justifications for not being into the game were very, uh, it holds holds up. It's very motivated we explain what we like what we don't like we recognize the qualities of the game and uh, we basically what it boils down to is it's kind of not for us ed and i were kind of uh, on the same boat we think it's a great game for some people obviously it is it's getting raving reviews but it's just not for us and we wanted to provide that um you know that uh uh side of the coin as well it's just everyone's been raving about it and for some people it might not be their thing i think there's a valuable especially since we talk about all the reasons why so much i think there's a valuable thing in there and i'm a little bit disappointed that you just it feels like maybe if you know you're listening by some kind of miracle um it you're you're you can come and tell me you're welcome to come back and explain to me what you meant but um what it feels like is like you were disappointed. We didn't think the game was great. So 
you, as someone who does think the game is great, felt hurt. And this mm. is what this comment feels like. And I, I don't think it's fair. So I didn't want to mention this. But even more importantly, um, w what this leads to, which I think is a much more interesting uh, conversation to be had, is something that I do struggle with a little bit. And people who have been listening to the show for a while will find this uh these thoughts uh um they'll remember me mentioning this sometimes it's okay to not to play a game enjoy it for 10 hours or whatever it is and not finish it and it leads to the other question do you need to finish a game to know whether or not you'll enjoy it i even mentioned when talking about divinity uh 2 i mentioned maybe if i play the game for 15 hours then i'll learn about the systems enough and I'll, I'll, uh, you know, get accustomed to it enough that I'll end up enjoying it. Maybe even enjoying it more than something that gives me the immediate fun of an arcadey experience like Shadow of War. But does this make my enjoyment of Shadow of War less valid than the, the, the enjoyment of Divinity originally Sin 2? Um, I mean, I've played it for a few hours, so it's not like I played 10 minutes and decided it wasn't for me. I played for four or five, five hours. If I don't like it after five hours, does it mean my uh, impression on the game is invalid? Mm. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, I honestly don't have an answer to this. I don't think it makes the, the opinion invalid. But I do wonder, should you finish a game to be able to... Um, you know, to, to not even to give your opinion on it, but decide that you don't really like it. And Scott, I know, I mean, you've illustrated this today. You play a ton of games. I'm guessing you, you didn't finish the games you, you talked about today. Um, so I can guess which side of this debate you fall on. But what do you think about this, this conundrum? I mean, I, uh, it's a really good question. And actually, specifically to that game, um, I played the first one and I liked it. But it was so big and sprawling, I never finished it. Um, the second one I haven't picked up yet because I kind of know what I'm going to get in for, and I don't know if I'm I don't know if I have what I need in my head to to take that on. Especially again, given what games we've got coming, um, there's a pretty solid chance I end up with it at some point. But I'm not sure I value it at fifty nine ninety nine uh, right now. Um, that being said, I, I think there are a lot of people out there that are so hooked or sold on the games that they love that any sort of uh you know anybody saying well i i don't think that one's for me or whatever is <laughs> they see it as a personal as a attack engine a personal attack and i think you're probably dealing with one of those here because it's a little weird to get that worked up over one game but um but yeah i've always been a big proponent of if you're enjoying a game play the hell out of it and if you don't like it or don't have time for it whatever your reasons are Tough patootie to everybody else. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if that thing was really compelling to you, you'd be playing it right now. You wouldn't be talking to me, probably. You'd be, you know. <laughs> well, I'd make the effort, just like I'm doing it for Shadow of War, you know. But, uh, but sure. even even more than this, the this idea that should you, you know, just like you acquire a taste to good wine, for example, first, you know, three. 30 times you're going to drink wine, you're going to be like, ah, that sucks, or beer, or whatever. For, for a game, if you don't like the game after four hours, 
is it okay to decide, well, I don't really like that game? Or is it like, no, if you haven't watched the entire first season of Buffy, then you can't decide you don't like it because you have to watch the first season entirely. I don't know. You know, that's a the random game example. Ma- the game maker's job is to is to get you on and, and keep you. And if they don't do that, then I don't think you need to play a game to completion to them make a determination. That's That's silly. Okay. Like uh, maybe you need to play it more than 30 seconds. I mean, maybe there's some line there, <laughs> but I don't think four hours, four hours is a good amount of time for you to go. Yep. I think I know where I'm at on this game. So right. he's smoking the crack is what I'm getting at. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do wonder about this. Uh, and again, as long as obviously if you need to, if you're reviewing the game, I think, yes, you should play it from start to finish. Oh, sure. It, yeah. That's a different yeah. deal. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, I also, I also, uh, what you what you said about the the developer's job being to onboard you on that game, um, it resonates with me, and that's even something I mentioned in uh, the review. I'm not saying every game should be accessible and approachable, but it felt to me like a game getting 95 out of 100. Um, it felt weird that the game didn't welcome beginners a little bit more i'm not saying it shouldn't it it should or like the game doesn't deserve it's it's uh 95 or whatever it's just that uh, it's so close to perfection it feels like it should be it it the game should explain what it is a little i'm not going to redo my impressions here but um um yeah so anyway that was i think an interesting uh comment even if i don't think it was a you know, uh, fairly worded, but uh, I- I'm going to keep doing what I do, which is giving you my impressions on games, even though I haven't completely finished it. So if that's something you don't like, I guess you can probably stop listening. Hopefully you don't, because you <laughs> like this. Right. Um, all right. That is going to be it for this episode. Uh fairly full featured show uh, we talked about a lot of games as we tend to do when the holiday season approaches and they are numerous thank you so much for being on scott thank you for taking the time to speak with me so much today where yeah. would people go on the internet to find more of you all of my shows uh, art projects everything that's happening video whatever all that stuff can be found at frogpants.com and there's plenty of that happening right now also i would remind people going to blizzcon that if you are headed there on saturday the saturday of the event uh myself patrick and possibly pat crane this is all this is all getting worked out still uh will be a part of a panel of some sort it'll be broadcast as so well exciting. so yeah it's going to be neat so watch for that Schedule's up at BlizzCon.com, and uh, looking forward to seeing all those people there. Oh, and Scott Johnson on Twitter. Find me there if you want to. Of course. The link to the Twitter account will be in the show notes. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and Facebook. You can find my, my shows at uh, Frenchspin.com. You can also hear me on The Instance uh, as with this lovely gentleman, Scott Johnson. And we just launched a another Blizzard game podcast, Blizzard game-focused podcast from Icy Veins, that site where you go to get all of your uh, builds for your different games like Heroes and WoW and, and Diablo and all of those. Um, they also do news and they now also do a podcast with me. So just look into... Uh, icy veins on the site or in your podcatcher podcast app search for icy veins and you'll find that it's a very quick um two times a month uh 
news show where you get all the news from your Blizzard games, for your Blizzard games. Um, and I think that is going to be it. Oh, and go listen to uh, The Exploding Tire from Scott. Which oh, is yeah. Exploding Tire, exploding tire uh, on Twitter and uh, frogpants.com slash, slash exploding tire if you want to hear weekly uh, rad news about the game of Overwatch. That's what I'm doing over there. So basically, uh, if you thought you had too many games to play, now you also have too, ma too many podcasts to listen to. So have fun with that, and we'll yep. talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye.